Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week it's Do You Wanna Know? Wanna know? Do you wanna know? It's like uh, it's like my my game show, talk show segment. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and this week it is. Do you wanna know? I initially thought you were doing a Ramones thing with that. Do you wanna know? I love. I, I I love. I love the Raymonds. Who doesn't? Um, everybody does, from what I understand. Um, I always like calling them the Ram ones as a kid, and just to really throw people. Uh, <laughs> David, Tim, this song from Agony and Irony by the Alkaline Trio. Kinda cool, huh? I have been waiting the duration of this podcast to talk about this song, purely because we hit agony and irony very early mm-hmm. within the first was it five episodes we did. Yes, uh, went in really hard about a bad song on that record that is one of my least favorites in the entire oeuvre of the band. This song. I fucking love. Um, I have referenced it many, many times when we've talked about like late era standouts. Mm-hmm. And this one I think is probably my favorite that is properly on the record. There's a couple that were relegated to deluxe edition B side territory that I think would have made this record better. Also sung by our pal, Dan Andriano. Um, but I was very curious what you thought because, you know, as we've seen sometimes, there are certain songs that I grab onto because it's like the one, it's not even like the shining light. It's just like there's a little bit of a hole through like a peephole that I'm getting. And I'm like, it's good enough. <laughs> um, but this one, I actually think like it does everything that Agony and Irony should have done but in one song. Absolutely. I um I think that when when it started I was very very anxious to hear who was going to be singing this cuz the way that it starts it if this is a Matt song I'm just like oh this is dead in the water there is something about the way that the song opens that feels like all right we're we're really like taming the pace down here um i think derek's a little bit busy on the intro and on a lot of this track to be honest i know that we're gonna like talk about good things Mm but um but then Dan comes in and just drops melody after melody after melody. And I think that the most exciting thing about this song is that there's no, no easy... They don't take the easy path anywhere. No. 
everything that they do on this track, it's like, uh, it's kind of unexpected. There's a, all the transitions are like, whoa, whoa, all right. Yeah, I mean, to tie it back to the song we talked about last week with our pal Tom from Podcast Axe to Grind, um, it kind of has a similar, like, holy shit, there's a lot going on vibe to it mm-hmm. that every thug needs a lady does. Uh, and kind of even some of the crimson material that occupies that territory where there's a lot of movements, there's a lot of changes, a lot of parts. Um, and yeah, I think this is a, it's a real weird song because that intro is like a big misdirection mm-hmm. to a degree for where it kind of goes down to the verse. But I think kind of needs to be there for how hushed and kind of pretty the verse is. Yeah. Um, and I like that kind of like start up here, bring you down, build you up. Um, Mm -hmm. I would agree. Derek is a little much up top and in other spots, but there's also moments like in the chorus. I think he's great. I think he's really putting a lot of flair in it and like really giving it kind of a life. Um, but this is really just a showcase of Dan. Like, I think this is such a crazy song for him to be singing and there's a little bit in the lyrics that i think is a little eh that's just okay but in Mm -hmm. my mind it has the energy of like trading my bike for a shopping cart uh in spots where i'm like ah okay that's (laughs) fine i'm not gonna be mad um but it's just it's also the song that is like, this is the Alkaline Trio alt-rock song. Absolutely. Like 100%. And as you were talking, I was uh, looking into Josh Abraham's discography. I feel like I do this every time we talk about agony and irony of just like reminding myself who this dude is. But this is a guy who came up producing Limp Biscuit orgy like very very uh late 90s early 2000 like radio friendly um material and you feel his hand on so much of this and there's not that's not to take away from what the band is doing and what this song is but they really just like pump up energy into every aspect of this song to give just more and more sweetness to it and just more like just good digestible uh layering and just pomp comma circumstance (laughs) yes um a lot of commas in this song obviously um but it's you know it's kind of a tragedy that this wasn't a single and it just really shows how I think they were not, you know, them being on Epic at the time. Clearly the label was prioritizing Matt as the guy, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's just kind of what it was. And it's weird to me that the Dan song they did choose for a single was in vain, which like what? Um, Especially when you have this song here, um, which I think, is just this is a song i could hear on the radio and enjoy and like be curious about and i think it just kind of feels like it would have fit in in that period in 2008 where it's a post like 
pop punk world being really popular. Mm-hmm. It's a post new metal world being really popular. And you are having a little bit more of like, I don't want to call them safe, but bands that are a little more just like they're a quote unquote rock band who are kind of in that space of mm-hmm. like selling a lot of records, being on big tours. Um, and I think the song has those trappings without feeling like they're trying to do it. It still feels fairly natural to me from top to bottom. Yeah. You can like, you can look at something like, uh, angels and airwaves 30 seconds to Mars where it's like a graduate of, uh, of punk and emo. And now we're into sort of like weird, somewhat epic, uh, mm-hmm. territory with haircuts. Um, maybe that's why they didn't really sit as a singles. Cause Dan's, uh, Dan's a bald one like me. Well, that's what I was going to always say is, you know, there are a lot of people who, when they talk about it, the alkaline trio, especially older fans who they're like, you know, they just lost it when Skiba moved to California. That's when the band just fell apart. Couldn't do it. And I'm like, you're fucking wrong. It's when Dan lost his hair. Um, <laughs> So I like to put it there just to show how ridiculous that argument is. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Agony and Irony is one of those records where it's like based off a Patreon episode we just did. I think there's like six really good songs across the whole thing, Uh the album and the B-sides. But that's not what we got. We got something that is like an 11 song fucking record that has a lot of stuff. I I either really dislike from both of them, Mm -hmm. um, which is rare. And also some songs that I think are just like really solid at what they do. Um, And this one more than any other, it really sounds like Skiba as a guitar player is trying to diversify how he approaches playing on Dan songs, which I also think is great. Yeah. It's, it's really wild to hear him like playing something like that ascending, uh, progression that follows the chorus and to not have that, like come out as like a piercing, uh, distorted, Skiba guitar tone. It's it's a lot cleaner. It's a lot, um, uh, I, I think, more suitable for public consumption. But also, you know, in the verses, there's there are those cool little arpeggios that are like high, and they're not mm-hmm. things that Matt's uh, more prone to doing. There's also a really cool layer in uh, in the pre-chorus that's like kind of that sound that you get when you got way too much overdrive and uh and a pickup that's like prone to feeding back a little bit just that like sort of high pitched like sound Mm. um but yeah dude i think that this is just something where they seriously put so many thoughts and ideas into every component of it and they really like stretch themselves in a cool way um i think that it makes sense that this is not a single because i think that this is this would be a good single if they're they were a more established band and this would be you know the second or third single off of 
a record that people are already like primed for. This is mm-hmm. a perfect, you know, late album single. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really true. And it's not like they got, I think there were only three singles from the record. Help Me, Found A Way, and In Vain, I believe. Yeah. Um, so they didn't even get to fourth, which is kind of major label customary. Um, mm. and yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I don't think it's a lead single. I think in a lot of senses, like help me makes perfect sense as we've discussed, like kind of had to be, um, but you know, I think they needed to really show off. I think it's, it sounds so dumb because it it makes it sound like I am talking down to the average consumer of music. But, you know, it probably is confusing where it's like, oh, I thought the Alkaline Trio was the guy who sounded like that, not this guy. And I I think, you know, at that time when rock radio was still kind of a dominant thing, Mm -hmm. um, that stuff kind of mattered. And... I think they were trying to really, really bet on Matt, you know? And I think it's even why, like, more than the records that follow, this one makes perfect sense why two of Dan's strongest songs, In My Stomach and Burn Is The House, are on a deluxe. And we've got a couple more Matt songs, because I think they're trying to be like, he's the guy, you know? Yeah. If someone If someone random buys the record... We don't want to have too many of the other guys' songs. Yeah. And, like, I also think, like, we have not talked about this song proper, but there is an acoustic version of Maybe I'll Catch Fire on the deluxe edition of Agony and Irony, which I always found to be super strange, and then was like, oh, I get it. It's because they're trying to be like, if you're coming into this band who you just heard about for the first time on the radio, Mm -hmm. here's, like this old guy and like one of their cool old songs. It's also an album title. Like I, I think they were, I think there were some calculated decisions being made. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know much about the circumstances of their, uh, their time at Sony. It feels like there's just, it feels like the whole thing is half-assed on Sony's part. It seems like, this band that they kind of they're putting a record out for them, but they don't really know why. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm envisioning the like rundown of who this is, like what their whole gimmick is, what where they want to like slot this band, and like who's the uh, who's the very specific like target audience for this. And you know, it's. Not to uh, cast dispersions on the uh, on major label music, but I don't think they, they gave a shit, and they didn't expect people would like be willing to learn, and they probably weren't gonna learn themselves. Well, I mean, I I think one of the big things that like needs to be addressed, which I know we've talked about before, is the fact that like they didn't sign to a major proper. They initially signed to V2, which was a Virgin subsidiary. That label quickly went under. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it got bought up, um, you know, and they were kind of, this sounds mean, but I think the reality to a degree is that like, they were not the band that, you know, 
they were hoping to get. V2 had the white stripes, and that's kind of why someone would buy that fucking label that went under. Yeah. Um, you know, so like they wanted that catalog. They were hoping that the white stripes would come along and stick with. Um, I don't think they ended up doing it. I think they might have jumped to Warner Brothers for the last record. Um, but I mean, they, they do kind of fall into the label mismanagement thing. They got to make a big record that probably cost a lot. Mm-hmm. They got to throw around some money and do like, you know, I remember when this record was getting released. I think it was two shows in Chicago, maybe one, mm-hmm. where they were like free shows. Like one was at the Lakeshore Theater, one was at Rudgie's. Like they were like big free events and shit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, clearly they were like getting to play around. Like, the, the, obviously, the video for "Help Me" cost a lot of money, but not enough money to make it look good. And it, it just kind of, you know, falls into the thing where like they got to do it, and it just didn't fucking work. The, the fact that they are just a couple years later putting out a record on Epitaph is like really telling that there was like no interest in oh, keeping yeah. this going. Oh yeah, this is uh it just feels like a bad date, you know? It yeah. feels like uh it feels like both of them like got home and were like I don't even should I like call that person again or do I just let it go? No need to relive it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing and this isn't even on the Wikipedia and I only know this um because i was at like when they did the tour for this record it was them uh, american steel and some other band i forget the name of and it was in chicago and it was like the week that the record came out and skiba was on stage and he was like you know we just got back uh record is number 13 on billboard you know like da 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 like isn't that cool like and like yeah, it is cool like that's not anything to sneeze at. Like mm-hmm. that is a pretty good chart position, but I really do wonder like if that record, if this record cracked the top 10, I think we, the next five years of this band would be entirely different. Um, and it's just so poetic to me that they came so close, but missed by just enough mm-hmm. to where the label didn't give a shit. Um, and didn't even try to push it more at that point to get it up. Like they knew first week sales were all they had to rely on to even make a splash. Mm-hmm. And it just narrowly missed. Um, I do wonder and have wondered if because purely because of Matt's uh, being in Blink-182, if another major label at some point try and nab him up again, um, we shall see. Yeah. God, I don't it's it feels like such a like quaint notion at this point like oh major label's going to put this out but yeah it almost doesn't matter now i mean mm-hmm. this is kind of I'd say 080910 is probably the last time that shit really mattered um yeah to be honest with you uh like this the against me record were kind of big deals when they signed uh, when gaslight signed and put out I think handwritten that felt like a, mm-hmm. I feel like they're the last one where it was like, Oh shit. Like a band from our world to get on a major label, but it, it, it kind of didn't matter at that point. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, like the closest thing that I can think of to that feeling is is when Epitaph started signing bands like Choice Manor and uh, Psychics. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the uh, paradigm shift, the the phrase of twenty twenty that needs to die, the paradigm mm-hmm. shift. But would somebody give me a better word for it? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think it's it's interesting to see some of that shit change where Epitaph was known throughout my youth as mostly putting out music I did not like. Mm-hmm. And then in the 2000s, pivoting to more music I did not like. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, in the 2010s, start signing the bands that I was seeing play at hundred cap clubs and we're on like yeah yeah, like and good on them you know and and Mm -hmm. this is not to say well i did kind of say i dislike a lot of epitaph stuff they've got great shining classic records i really love from a lot of different bands but i think their modern era has been actually the most interesting and yielded them their most like crossover critically lauded bands, which is fucking wild. So that's a label that's been able to reinvent themselves, shift with the tide. Sometimes that's been far away from what I like, sometimes closer to what I like. Um, You know, but it's just, you know, God bless them, but it is weird. It's weird to see something. I mean, side one dummy, similar thing. Like they Mm. were the warp tour comp label. Yeah. And then what? Now they're again. Now they're just dicks. Um, yeah. No, I. I mean, I. I just talked to our friend Greg for unscripted moments that will come out at some point down the line. And what I said to him about propaganda was like, I missed propaganda when I was in high school because they were on Fat, and that was the mm-hmm. era of pretty much every band on Fat sounding like a band on Fat. Um, mm-hmm. But to go back to this song, um, I how you feel about that falsetto? Kind of like it. Um, it's it's bold, but I actually think it is pulled off mm-hmm. straight up. I um, I think my initial thought was like, oh, respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like tastefully done actually you know when it when you see things like that like come up uh sometimes it feels like it's a little heavy-handed you you know give me a key change for the fucking sake of it Mm -hmm. here but that falsetto has such a good hook i actually like that pre-chorus more than i like the chorus of this song although i love the beginning and end of that chorus because i think the guitars are so good yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I think I think the build to the chorus is so fulfilling that it just kind of then, you know, mm-hmm. rides the line, which is fine. I think that's the moments... I think Derek pushes this song forward in a couple small ways, um, and none more importantly than the fact that they do a rare double chorus at the end of this song that is only really broken up by that little, like, shuffle drum drum fill into a stop and then back in and that feels like a very them move to me mm-hmm. to kind of shift between points um but yeah i mean this is a song that is really them swinging for the fences in a way that like w- rarely seen before or since uh and 
I was talking to uh, my friend James, who does a podcast called The Nimrods about Green Day, and that's a band who swings for the fences a lot, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't like a lot of that stuff, but I can respect the fact that they aren't just like, we're going to do the same shit over and over again. Yeah. And this is the type of song that, like, even if they swung and really missed, I would have to respect the attempt. Mm. But this one works. It, it just fucking works for me. It's worked for me since the record came out. It's one that, like, I wish they just kind of brought this song back into set list because I think it would be really fun live. Mm-hmm. I think it has an energy that would work. And, yeah, I, this is just one of the few where I'm like, it sucks that like the only song from this record that really made it out for a while was calling all skeletons, which like, I don't hate, but like, yeah, I understand why that works in a live setting. It's got the hand claps. Okay. Um, but you know, I, I think this is the one that actually like, like a lot of Dan's stuff on good morning is just like really interesting. It really shows him pushing himself into a different space and it doesn't fail at it. And that's something to commend. Yeah, dude, Dan, like, I think one of my biggest takeaways from this entire project is that Dan keeps working. And mm-hmm. it's it's really, really commendable. Um, I don't like that double chorus. I, that just doesn't, doesn't work for me. Um, I think about... Uh, that part in uh, the thing that Laura Stevenson said on my podcast, Life's Work, a podcast about sit resist. Um, but she's like, unnecessary bridge, hate an unnecessary bridge. And I was thinking about this repeat. It's like, oh, I get it. God. But I do understand like the, um, the function of it. Because I think it, it, it also, like, it allows the song to go out the way that it does, and it does go out in a pretty cool way. That's the thing, is, like, I like the way they get to it. It feels a little hokey. Mm-hmm. But I think the song resolves so nicely that I'm like, that's fine. In the same way that I think the the beginning feels a little weird, mm-hmm. once we're getting into the verse and I see its function, I'm like, okay, okay, I get it um also it's, the, it's like a go ahead it's like a scene in a movie where they're overly expository but it allows me to enjoy what happens next a little quicker i'm like okay mm-hmm. fine yeah because like when they kick up the pace for the second chorus you kind of realize like damn they've been going mid-tempo this whole time and they've gone yeah. through so many parts at that pace that when that second verse comes it's like oh fuck hey they did that too <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's definitely one where dissecting the song it's just like fuck there like every 15 seconds something is changing mm-hmm. um which sounds like it could be a fucking mess like truly like that's a lot to for a band who is trying to write an alt-rock radio single you know yeah um but i think it, it just it checks a lot of boxes and i think it does again like i think this band i think the great failure of this band is thinking that like their return to form just needed to be three chord punk songs mm-hmm. when maybe that was the basis for what they did early on. Maybe that was the basis for good morning. Maybe that was the basis for the good songs around this period. Um, but they always did more with it. 
And I think this song to me is such an example of like different production, maybe a slightly couple different changes. Like this song's on good morning and it's great. This song's on crimson and it's great. Like Mm -hmm. this is not one where I feel like it's really reaching for something and not achieving it. But like they kind of get away from that until is this thing cursed where they kind of get back and get a little more playful with structures and parts and how they're building stuff. And, um, I hope they continue down that path. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, God, there, I don't think that there's a song that they have that we've talked about that has as many chords as this one. This is a Mm. very, very deliberate little song. And I know we've been saying a lot of good things about this. There's no bass on this song at all. It's Th- weird, it's right? It's fucking weird. And I think that that was, uh, that was like what was going through my head initially was like, oh, this feels like a little dead in the water. And I, there's no bass. It's fucking yeah. strange. Which is funny because let's let's compare it to uh, Love, Love, Kiss, Kiss, which is a song that I shit on a lot, but I think musically is really sound. And that song really has a lot of bass kind of pushing it underneath Matt, Matt's leads. So this record, more than any, and I think if you play this song and then that song, or this song and then Help Me, or this song and then In Vain, I feel like every song was mixed independently of the others mm-hmm. because there is no fucking commonality into where guitars are sitting, where vocals are sitting, where basses, like everything is all over the map. Um, and, and this song with how many different tones Matt has from the fucking verse to the chorus to the bridge and how low he is in the bridge. Mm-hmm. This must've been a dude working so hard on faders or in pro, pro tools to make like 70 tracks a line. It's wild. Dude, he made all those those orgy records. He's. <laughs> I mean, you know, who doesn't love a good Blue Monday cover? That's all I'm going to say. He's like, we're going to have an orgy of layers. We're going to have a real smorgasbord of human tone on this record. <laughs> oh, God. Love a candy ass. Hey, what do you rate this song? Song gets four stars from me. I love that. Four is uh, for the highest of accolades on uh, Agony and Irony. I also go uh, four with it. Um, A plus for effort. Um, and yeah, it's it's nice when we get a song to talk about where there's just a whole lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. In in both good and bad ways, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it really shows to me that like just because a song starts at a point, and I think this is always a big struggle with music, is like when a song starts in a bad place, it's like mm, mm-hmm. fuck. This one pulls it out. It stumbles right at the end in a way, but kind of again pulls it out. And I think it's just like yeah, one of those tracks that like to me is always reminding me like all right like i need to be like and i'm the same way with records but i'm like where are you gonna take me mm-hmm. i'm 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 not gonna i'm not one to turn off the movie midway through i'm not one to turn off a record halfway through because maybe it'll make more sense at the end and you know this isn't one that this isn't a record that i think like 
you really need to hear in full. But if you've never given it the time of day, like there's, there's some good shit there. It, it's worth the uh, 12 years late exploration. It's worth the agony. That's ironic. Don't you think? As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, uh, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week we talked about Do You Want to Know? My name is Tim, his name is David, and we are the two friends. And we get to do this little podcast of ours every week. And it's just a damn pleasure. Thank you all for joining us. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. We give our patrons the opportunity to vote on the songs that we talk about and we go long form over there at times like we did today talking about bands that are album bands or singles bands oh and that's not bands who are on the singles movie soundtrack very good very good. You're a world class fad, David. Oh, that's it. I do like that Pearl Jam song, though. Uh, my favorite is the Mud Honey song that they got like fifty thousand dollars to record, and they recorded it in their friend's garage and called it "Don't Believe the Hype." Uh, Hell yeah, baby! But believe this hype. We're the best podcast on the planet. Subscribe. Tell a friend. We'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Thank you. Guys.